Music by the cone. I'm tired of constantly coming up short. Let's get over the hump. I can't take another disappointing season. Let's go get this done. Knocking at the door. We ride on the verge. We keep coming close. I'm done with this close. I'm like, beep, 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 That's all, folks. Let's finish the job. Let's finish the business. Let's go get this trophy. Let's put it back in the trophy case that you and I both know it's supposed to be in. Recently, somebody tried to tell me that I had been abused as a child. I thought about that for about two seconds and decided that it was nonsense. When I did something wrong, breaking a rule of the household, I was punished. Punishment could take the form of a firm whack on some part of my anatomy or banishment to my room or being assigned some particularly dirty job. Needless to say, I didn't like getting punished, but you know what? It worked. Pretty soon, I began to make the all-important connection of cause and effect. You screw up, you pay the consequences. I think this was a very valuable lesson, and it's one that fewer and fewer parents seem to be teaching today. I never felt that I was a victim. Instead, I reached the conclusion that there were people out there, starting with my father and mother, Marie, who deserved my respect. And when I gave them their due respect, I started earning their respect back. That's what a lot of my own struggles with my father were all about. Don't succumb to excuses. Go back to the job of making the corrections and forming the habits that will make your goal possible. That is Vince Lombardi Jr. speaking on his father, Vince Lombardi. And this is the YFYI podcast. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Sonny D. Starting off a little with a little excerpt from a book that I've been going back through again. I find myself coming back to this book quite often. We're going to talk a little bit about it and why I feel like it's such a valuable staple in my library today as we get into the uh, the podcast. But first and foremost, if you are just tuning in as a new listener, welcome to the YFYI podcast. This is the podcast where you come to get your mind right, get your money right, get your learn on so you can get your earn on. We cover a lot of things from leadership to money to growing to business practices to the tools of the successful, the traits of awesomeness, all of those things. And this podcast really got started on the heels of my first book, YFY, Your First Year in the Beauty Industry. How to Not Just Survive But Thrive in the Business of Beauty. And immediately after I finished the book, I started the podcast so I could expand on topics and just kind of dig in and unpackage more things that are going on, not only with my life and business, but as I'm out on the road speaking around the country on the book tour, speaking to different groups of people, 
the questions that I get, <clears throat> the things that come in through social media, the questions that I get from all of you guys, the listeners on different things, on my perspective on things. So this gives me a platform, a, a place to come and share a lot of that. So hopefully you take a lot away from it. It's a pleasure doing this podcast. You know, we're rolling in. This is going to be episode number 101. You know, so I started this journey really, you know, in a couple of years ago. And I mean, it's been awesome to see the growth. Got a lot of things planned, got, you know, new dates coming. So stay tuned to the social media, whether it be my Instagram at your first your ends Instagram at your first your ends Instagram. Give it a like and a follow. My Instagram's at Sunny D one Got some dates coming, so I'll be on the road a little bit. You know, as we roll into the new year. But as we're getting going here, you know, one of the things that our company was was really kind of, you know, in our in our DNA. You know, the company that that I started it eight years ago, and. Uh, 2008 9 we got off the ground the idea was formed the salon 1.0 that number in itself number one right one mission one team one vision one goal one world that's that's what we talk about i got the tattoo if i haven't met you yet maybe you'll you'll see it if when i do meet you i know you'll see it if i already met you i know you saw it because I got it stamped right on the side of my neck. Now the crazy part about that is when I got the tattoo, I didn't even have really a business. I just had an idea. An idea that, you know, time whose time had come, I felt. So, with that, the commitment, you know, to put a tattoo on the side of your neck is going to lead to one of two things. Either an undying, relentless pursuit, on any means necessary pursuit, or, or, <laughs> it's going to lead to a, a some kind of a lot of explaining, a lot of explaining to people when they ask, you know, what's that tattoo on the side of your neck? What is that? What is that all about? What option do you think I'm going with? I'm going with option one. The undying, relentless pursuit. The getting after it pursuit that I'm on. And so with that number one, you know, you know, this book, the title of this book, What It Takes to Be Number One. Vince Lombardi on Leadership by Vince Lombardi Jr. Who's a, uh, I mean, obviously the son, but an acclaimed, you know, writer and professional speaker and the book goes into you know him really kind of digging into the leadership qualities that made his father Vince Lombardi so special and I mean one of the you know considered one of the most you know respected and, and successful you know coaches and when you think about coaching I mean you may not be a football player you know you might be a hairstylist but you have a coach hopefully and or you may be a coach and when you think about being number one 
right? Who wants to be anything else? I mean, what do you want to be, number two? No, I'd really like to be ranked number five, right? Said no one ever. So when you think about being, you know, number one, you think about success in your field. You know, even that last, that last little clip that I read, don't succumb to excuses. Go back to the job of making the corrections and forming the habits that will make your goal possible. You know, that's one thing, you know, I do not tolerate. And I really demand, like, no tolerate. I don't tolerate it for myself. You know, if I start to give an excuse, I'll try to cut myself off. If someone else starts to give an excuse, I'll try to cut them off. Because the minute you give in to excuses, you know, why aren't you in shape? Well, why aren't you, you know, we, we did a whole... A whole, uh, I want to say I did a podcast on, you know, when it, you hear that word well, then you know you're about to get an excuse. So don't succumb to the excuses. Go back to the job of making the corrections and forming the habits that will make your goal possible. And a lot of times those corrections are going to come from your coach. And if you're not getting the results you want, sometimes you might have to go to your coach. Obviously, your coach is going to be watching your performance. But if you're not getting the corrections you want, maybe it's time for you to go to your coach. Instead of waiting for them to come to you or some kind, some kind of <clears throat> Hail Mary or you're praying on it. I appreciate that. But if the answers aren't coming, if the technique's not coming, maybe it's time for you to go looking for some of those answers. And then you got to form the habit. You know, and give you a little give you a little backstory on Vince Lombardi here. Just so you can get a, a flavor for what he was all about. So I already told you guys he's a football coach, right? He's a he was a football player actually as well. Then he became a coach. In the NFL, and he was born in uh, June of 1913 in Brooklyn, and he died in September of 1970 in Washington D.C. Now, when it comes to football, you know I am a New York Giants fan. I grew up on the Giants. You know I was uh, born and raised in Connecticut, South Norwalk, which is like the you know one of the southernmost parts of Connecticut. So to get to Giant Stadium, Yankee Stadium, I mean, we're talking, you know, maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes. So that was my quote-unquote home teams. When you start to go into like New Haven and move up into Hartford and move up further north, you know, the state kind of becomes divided because it's New England. So then you start to get into your Boston Red Sox fans and you start to get into your New England Patriots fans. But where I'm at in the southern end, you know, closer to Jersey and New York, it's, you know, pretty much Giants, Jets, Mets, and Yankees. So I'm a I'm a Giants fan through and through. And, you know, one of the things that Vince Lombardi did as part of his career was he was an offensive coordinator for the Giants for a very short period of time, but he spent a little time with Big Blue. He also coached the Washington Redskins. That's where he finished his career. 
but really where he kind of, as a head coach, really dominated the majority of his career was for the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, the Packers are some diehard fans, no doubt about it. I've watched them battle the Giants plenty of times. Got a great organization going on over there. But that's really where he kind of, you know, grinded and and just made made his legacy was kind of formed through that organization. And when you think about winning, I mean, that's what this guy was all about. You know, he was about winning. You know, winning and leadership go hand in hand. You know, and he was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers from 1959 to 1967. So covering a span of, you know, a little under uh, 10 years. And then he did his, like, one year he was in Washington. That's where he finished up. And then for the Giants, 54 to 58, he kind of was, you know, getting his his uh, feet on the ground as the offensive coordinator for the Giants. Now, when you look at statistics, right, what does winning look like? Doesn't mean, I mean, you're going to win. And just like your own statistics, I mean, you're not necessarily winning every single game. But when you look at this guy, and just for a point of reference, right, the if you're not a football fan, I know even if you're not a football fan, you heard of the Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl is it, the big enchilada. The final game of football season. When the top two teams, the AFC champion versus the NFC champion, only one can be crowned the Super Bowl champion. Well, that trophy that they give out at the conclusion of that game to the winner, that trophy is named the Vince Lombardi Trophy. So if that says anything about what the how he's regarded in not only the NFL but just as a coach and person in general, I don't know what else does. They named the they named the freaking trophy after him, okay? So that's the Vince Lombardi trophy. So for Green Bay, his uh, his 10 years there as a coach, winning, you know, his, his one loss record, 136 games, 96 wins, 34 losses, and six ties. So his win-loss percentage, 0.738. So just for, you know, what that means in .738 means he won a hell of a lot of games. I mean, most coaches, you know, they're trying to, you know, they go 500. You know, he's 738. They go five above 500 or 500. They're considered, you know, they had a pretty solid season. This guy goes 738 career as a head coach. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty freaking awesome. So, 96 wins, 34 losses. So, he didn't win every single game. He didn't win every single game. And throughout that, when you're looking at champions, so you've got uh, 61 NFL champions, Green Bay 62, 65, 66, 
67. <laughs> and those three that were back-to-back, he went 10 wins, three losses, one tie, and 65. In 66, he went 12 wins, two losses, zero ties. So an 857 average, winning win-loss percentage. And then in 67, he went nine wins, four losses, one tie. Three championships back-to-back. I mean, that is a feat in itself. So what could you learn? You know, from a football coach, right? You know, if you're like, well, I don't, I don't play football. I don't really know the game. <clears throat> I played a little bit in high school. I mean, I don't know, know the game. But what I, what I do know is, you know, I know what it's like to lose, and I know what it's like to win. And I don't know about you guys, but I choose winning over losing seven days of the week, eight days if you want. Twice on Sunday. So winners possess certain traits, certain characteristics, and that's really what in the in the book, that's really what it's all about. And I wanted to read you some of what I thought were some of the highlights and I thought were pretty um, awesome anecdotes. So the Vince Lombardi leadership model, you know, talking about leadership. Now, if you're new to your company and you're thinking, well, you know, I don't really, I'm like low man on the totem pole, low woman on the totem pole. You know, how is this going to translate? You know, for me, you know, I came from the military, you know, and like that was the only kind of career that I ever really started. I mean, little odd jobs, you know, when I was a teenager, they don't really count, I don't think. Um, my my other uh, organization that I built, which I've talked with some of you guys about before, we'll get into that on another episode. I don't really have a you know a model, I guess you could say, like or a coach in that sense. Well, actually, no, I actually did have a coach. Speaking of, did have a coach, but I don't really know if I had like a true uh, leadership kind of role ever. Maybe I saw some leadership, but leadership, now if you're new, right, so you're leading yourself, if there's anyone around you, any other humans, you may have influence or leadership, you know, over them or on them, but leadership and some of the traits or some of the the principles, you know, the takeaways that I got from Looking at this, I wanted to share some of those with you. So let's go back to the book. So this this piece right here starts with, He hated wasting time. He ran tight. Agenda-driven meetings that began and ended on schedule. Meetings focused on exchanging information and decisions, and decisions were final. A meeting a meeting is only a means of communication. Its purpose should be 
to produce a change in procedure. The procedure could be in knowledge, attitude, behavior, or skill. In our meetings, management gives information, it collects information, it pools information, and it discusses the best way to approach the problem. We have one hard and fast rule. Once the group is agreed upon the method, there is no deviation until the group agrees to the change. In other words, no second guessing and no backbiting. A policy that fostered solidarity and loyalty among his assistants. He further earned the loyalty of those assistants by paying them well and using their time wisely. And of course, everybody loved being associated with a winner. So when you have a meeting, you know, I have meetings sometimes that last two minutes. I have some that last 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, some an hour. Depends, team meetings, size of the meeting, how many people are in the meeting. But being able to make decisions, being able to have a schedule, being able to make a decision and, and stick with it until the consensus decides otherwise. You know, so those are some of the things that when you're thinking about traits, leadership traits, winning traits, those are some of the practices. Let's go back to the book. The Vince Lombardi leadership model. Management is leadership. When management fails, it reflects a lack of leadership. All of you possess leadership ability, but leadership rests not only on outstanding ability, it also rests on commitment, loyalty, and pride. It rests on followers who are ready to accept guidance. Leadership is the ability to direct people and more important, to have those people accept that direction. So let's take a minute and break that down. So that was called the leadership model, the Vince Lombardi leadership model. So when you think about management and leadership, there's an author named Peter Drucker. He wrote the book on it. You know, and, and there's a saying that I have that I go around and, and goes around in my company. A lot of times I say, you know, you you manage things, you lead people, but those two go hand in hand. Like say your company has systems, those systems do need management, right? Making sure those systems are in place. If you're running after people too much, it's probably because either you don't have systems in place or you haven't effectively managed those systems. So you have to train and teach people how to, you know, be successful using the systems that are in place and then you have to inspect what you expect. And I say that to my team a lot. Inspect what you expect. Don't just, you know, take it for granted that somebody's following the script. Check it. Don't take it for granted that somebody's doing, you know, the system. Check it. You have to check it. You have to inspect it. But management is leadership. And then you see when it says goes on to say when management fails, it reflects a lack of leadership. And so if you have the systems and things aren't going right, or you're working yourself and you're thinking, man, this is exhausting. There's a lack of leadership there. That's an opportunity. 
There's something that you don't know. There's something that you could train on. Goes on to say, all of you possess leadership ability. Every single one of you. Every single one of you guys listening. Every single one of you guys in your company. Everybody possesses leadership ability. Then it says, but leadership rests not only on outstanding ability. So that's not the end all be all. Just because you possess it, which we all do, doesn't mean it's over there. Doesn't mean I've got leadership tendencies, I've got leadership traits, you know, I'm going to I'm going to kick ass as a leader. That's not what that means. Because here's the other piece, here's the rest of that formula. It also rests on commitment, loyalty, and pride. And these are a few things, you know, in our company, I mean, by no means, like, do we have like the perfect company. But as I design and build and and kind of navigate being a business owner, being a leader, being a manager, being a person that has the vision, you know, that being a person on a mission, you know, I look at those things. I look at commitment. I look at loyalty. I look at pride. You know, and you think about like especially teams and you put on your team uniform, you put on your team colors. You know, in our company, you know, we have uh, we have bracelets that we give out to people. We have different ones for different people. We have, you know, small teams within the company. When we give out these bracelets, when we talk to our team in general, you'll see them if you ever see me pretty much. I don't think I leave the house without some part of my team uniform on, whether it be my bracelet, whether it be my chain. We have we have uh, chains that we give out to certain people. You know, it's all part of it's pride. It's pride in in our company, the Salon 1.0, and our colors, our flag, raising our flag, putting on your uniform. You know, so pride's a big one. Loyalty. You know, if you see something going on in the company that's not right, you know, not everybody on the team might be 100% at all times. You're going to have some people that could be fence sitters. You're going to have some people that could be resistors. You're going to have a very small select group of people that's going to be visionaries. At no time are you going to have an entire team that's made up of nothing but visionaries. It's not realistic. Even on a winning team like a Vince Lombardi team, you think he didn't have people on that team that were resistors, that people that needed correction, on a daily basis, <clears throat> people that may have been fence sitters, which who really didn't, you know, maybe believe in the direction, even after they were winning championship after championship, you'll still find those people. But the loyalty to know, like, you know, if you see something that's not working in the company, that you're, you know, speaking up about it because you're where your loyalty lives, and then of course the commitment. To go all in. You know, to go all in on doing what you said you were going to do. Long after, even when you don't even feel like it or you got excited in the moment and then like an hour later, <clears throat> you weren't that excited about it. But you still do it because you said you were going to do it. So commitment, it also rests on commitment, loyalty and pride. And then... The next piece, it rests on followers who are ready to accept guidance. In our company, we call that being coachable. 
you know, rest on followers who are ready to accept guidance. And then the last part, leadership is the ability to direct people and more important to have those people accept that direction. You know, so that digs into communication. So you want to be more effective as a leader? Work on your communication. Work on your style of communication. Work on the words that you choose to use. We have our team, our leadership team. We have a operations manual for our company, but we also have a leadership coaching and communication guide for our company that goes into all of those kinds of skill sets when you're working on becoming that becoming that not only competent but confident and successful leader within the organization communication is something that has to be practiced having the right words to say so last thing i want to do is i want to i want to finish with what is known as the speech. So at some point in the mid-1960s, Vince Lombardi Jr. says, my father began giving what I will call the speech. I have a red file folder full of variations on the speech. They are far more alike than they are different from each other. Of course, my father would tailor the beginning and the end of the speech and sometimes insert some appropriate jokes and anecdotes to make the speech more relevant to a specific audience. But the core of the speech was more or less unchanged from banquet hall to convention center to college auditorium. In the late 1960s, when social unrest was on the rise, He modified the speech considerably, doubling its length and giving it a more overtly political cast. But all of the basic building blocks from the original version of the speech were carried forward. All told, he must have given a version of the speech hundreds of times. My mother used to say, half in jest, that she had heard it thousands of times. In less formal settings, He would work from a half dozen five-inch square photocopied sheets with a combination of typed and written code phrases that moved him through the body of the speech. LDRS, probably stands for leaders, lonely people, cordial, remote, maintain distance, himself and group. In speeches to large groups, he usually had a typed out version of the speech on which he might make notes in advance. In all cases, he felt free to improvise, and he often did improvise, usually elaborating on his tried and true themes. This is another reason there are variations upon variations of the speech. So, here is the famous speech as we'll see the speech contains the core of what I'll call the Lombardi leadership model and then he says in the second half of the chapter I'll 
present the essentials of that model, which serve as the framework for several of the chapters that follow. So the, the title of the speech says Leadership. A year ago, in making a talk to a similar group in a similar situation, I had a difficult time in arriving at a method of approach, how to reach this intelligent audience. Then finally I arrived at the only subject to which I could conceivably contribute anything, my own experience of trampling grapes in my local vineyard, namely football. I have been in football all my life. I do not know whether I am particularly qualified to do much else except coach football. I can only say it is a great game, a game of great lessons, a game that has become a symbol of this country's best attributes, namely courage, stamina, and coordinated efficiency. It is a Spartan game and requires Spartan-like qualities in order to play it. By that, of course, I don't mean the Spartan tradition of leaving the weak to die. I mean instead the qualities of sacrifice, self-denial, dedication, and fearlessness. Football is a violent game. To play it any other way but violently would be imbecile. But because of its violent nature, it demands a personal discipline seldom found in modern life. Football is more than the National Football League alone. Football is Red Grange, Jim Thorpe, and the many hundreds of other stars who have made this the great game that it is. Football is all of the thousands of high school and college boys who play it and the many millions more who watch it, either in person or on television. Regardless of what level it is played upon, high school, college, or the professional level, it has become a, become a game that not only exemplifies this country's finest attributes, but more than that, it has the means and the power to provide mental and physical relaxation to the millions who watch it from the sidelines. I need no other authority than the great General MacArthur to prove my point, and I quote him, Competitive sports keeps alive in all of us a spirit of vitality and enterprise. It teaches the strong to know when they are weak and the brave to face themselves when they are afraid. It teaches us to be proud and unbending in defeat, yet humble and gentle in victory. It teaches us to master ourselves before we attempt to master others. It teaches us to learn to laugh, yet never forget how to weep. It gives a predominance of courage over timidity. I sometimes wonder whether those of us who love football fully appreciate its great lessons. For example, that it is a game played by more than a million Americans and yet a game uninhibited by racial or social barriers. It is a game that requires, in early season, exhaustive hard work to the point of drudgery. A game of team action, wherein the individual's reward is that total satisfaction that is returned by being part of a successful whole. A game that gives you 100% fun when you win and exacts 100% resolution when you lose. A game like war and also a game most like life, for it teaches that work, sacrifice, perseverance, competitive drive, selflessness, and respect for authority 
are the price one pays to achieve worthwhile goals. And it has larger implications. Today, all of us are engaged in a struggle more fiercely contested and far more important to our future. It is a struggle for the hearts, the minds, and the souls of men. In this struggle, there are no spectators, only players. It is a struggle that will test our courage, our strength, and our stamina. Only if we are physically, mentally, and spiritually fit will we win. We live in an age fit for heroes. No time has ever offered such perils or such prizes. Man can provide a full life for humanity, or he can destroy himself with the problems he has created. The test of the century will be whether man confuses the growth of wealth and power with the growth of spirit and character. If he does... He will be like some infant playing with matches who destroys the very house he would have inherited. You are the leaders of this country. I believe it is the obligation of our leaders to see that we are awakened to this need. Unless we can do something to get everyone in America moving in this direction, we may not be able to keep America strong. Calisthenics, exercise, and muscle toning are not the complete answer. There is also a need to develop a strong spirit of competitive interest throughout the nation. In other words, a strong body is only one half of the answer. We fail in our obligation if we do not also preserve the American zeal to be first and the will to win. So that, my friends, now remember, as Vince Lombardi Jr. was saying, there's a lot of versions of the speech, but that's a clip of the speech. It's not it in its entirety, and that's not the only version, but that is a version of the speech and things that he emphasizes in there you know, that you heard kind of ringing through discipline, hard work. Dedication, a team working together to be able to get the satisfaction of winning, not an individual. So when you think about a team, you think about you know being number one, you think about leadership starts with you, starts with you being self-led, starts with you understanding what the essence of those those words that I shared earlier about the commitment, pride, loyalty. And it's really in, embodied in this in this piece of work. So that's why I wanted to share a little bit of this with you guys. It's had a huge impact on me and my decision making and my kind of formation, you know, of building a winning team and a championship team. And that's my approach. So hopefully you'll be able to take some of this and I would definitely read this. I mean, it, again, it's what it takes to be number one, Vince Lombardi on leadership by Vince Lombardi Jr. But there's tons more, I mean, that I could go into, but maybe we'll revisit it in the future. But I definitely would, uh, I would encourage you to pick it up and check it out. So that's a little bit of what it takes to be number one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you got some takeaways. You know, I know I do. And I've 
you know, been through this book several times and I'm just kind of revisiting it. There's certain books that I'll come back to, you know, throughout the year, you know, just to kind of fine tune, just like, just like you would take your, your automobile. I mean, you don't get one, you don't get it like an oil change and you're good for life, right? It's a little fine tune here and there. It's little tweaks here and there. Even if you're not, even if you're, even if you're driving a Tesla and you don't need gas, you don't have an engine, you don't even have an engine, right? You got batteries. What they still do updates. They do still do fine tuning to the software throughout the journey, throughout the life of it. So there's certain books that I come back to, to get some of that fine tuning of my own. And this is definitely one of them, what it takes to be number one. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you get a lot of takeaways. So I want to thank you guys for listening to the YFY podcast. Leave your comments, leave your questions on our social media, either my Instagram at SunnyD1.0 or at your first year in. Definitely like some feedback, what you think, what your thoughts are, and make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get the YFY podcast on demand. So you're in the loop, you stay in the loop of what's happening, all things YFYI. And I'll have some dates coming soon. Places I'll be speaking. Hopefully, if you're in the area, you can come and, and listen or, you know, we can somehow connect. Love to see you there at one of the YFY book tour stops. And last but not least, if you have not yet left a review on the podcast app in iTunes, left a rating, preferably five star then I'd appreciate you doing that. And what that's going to do is it's going to help the podcast become more discoverable in people's search so more people can get the YFYI message. And for doing that, you're going to get a limited edition iHeart YFYI t-shirt, some swag that I've been wearing at some of my recent talks. <clears throat> so to get that shirt, you, all you got to do is a rating and a review. It's pretty simple. It takes 24 hours to get posted. Once it, get, it gets posted and identify yourself, I identify you, and the shirt will be on its way. And of course, if you need to get a copy of YFYI, the book, you can do so at yourfirstyearin.com. That's yourfirstyearin.com, and I'll get that on out to you. So thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. As always, it's been a pleasure. And remember, this is the YFYI podcast. This is where you come to learn how to build your business right once or else you will be doomed to have to build it again. Thanks for listening, guys, and I will talk to you soon. If we don't get it done, this season's a wide Super Bowl or bust. The last two years, the team of one rings was supposed to be us. We broke some records, we won some games, it wasn't enough. If you don't win that last game that you played in.